Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Happy Wednesday and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk radio show. My guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. As part of From My Mama's Kitchen New Year, New Me initiative, Amy and I will be having a conversation about their first book for this year, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Miracles and Divine Intervention. 101 Stories of Faith and Hope. Good morning, Amy. Happy New Year and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. And I am hoping that you are experiencing the great start for 2021. Uh, yeah, I am. I mean, the news is pretty crazy, but I am because, I don't know, I took some time off between Christmas and New Year's. I mean, I did some work every day, but I really tried to relax and recharge. Mm-hmm. And I came into the New Year just so re-energized, and I'm working on so many amazing Chicken Soup for the Soul books at the same time, and somehow feeling totally empowered to be juggling all of these. So (laughs) instead of feeling overwhelmed, I feel very excited. So that's a good thing. (laughs) Fantastic. That is really wonderful news. It is a pleasure to have you with me this morning. Chicken Soup, Miracles and Divine Intervention is a very inspiring read. It gives me great joy knowing that miracles are happening everywhere somewhere in the world so congratulations on this release which happened to be yesterday i believe and i wish you tons of success oh thank you i think that this kind of book is so important because these stories give people what they always say they really want which is hope Mm -hmm. everybody Mm -hmm. wants to have hope in their lives because hope is really what gives you fuel to keep you going right and right, these stories right. give you that hope, and they, they give you comfort if you're going through a tough time. And they show you that you're not alone, that other people have been through the same kinds of challenges. And besides that, it's just really entertaining reading, and that's the best thing of all, right? When you can just read to <laughs> go into another world, a world where good things happen, and it, it just gives you a respite from whatever is going on in your own life. Definitely. And what came to mind is the fact that because the book is a short read, story-wise that is, right? So it's like watching a TV episode. It's like you don't have to, like, oh my gosh, I got to spend a whole week to read this whole book <laughs> kind of thing. You can spend a few minutes. I don't know. I guess some people are fast readers versus others, but they can wrap things up within 15, 20 minutes with one story that really... Energizes yeah, them. because there's 101. There's 101 stories about all different topics. And so some people read these books straight through and, you know, until three in the morning right. because they just right. can't stop. They say it's like <laughs> potato chips. They can't stop. And then right. some people find a particular chapter where they think there's something that they really need. Or some people just open the book randomly each day and read one or two stories. We know a mm-hmm. lot of people who leave our books by their bedside and read a couple of stories every night before they go to bed because it just calms them and it gives Mm -hmm. them Mm -hmm. that peace and that little escape into another world and it's a world of positivity and then that just allows them to transition to sleep from whatever busy thing they were doing that evening before they got in bed so everyone uses their books differently 
for mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to read some of our really old books now, and I'm just <laughs> finding that I'm enjoying it so much. I'm you uh-huh. know, learning to love these stories all over again. So it is nice to have 101 different stories. If you're completely busy, you can always squeeze one 10-minute read into your day. Right, right, right. That's beautiful. What is the greatest joy for you in picking the 101 stories? Well, I think for me and my whole team, because there's a bunch of us who go through and and pick the stories, and then I just take from the last few hundred, you know, everybody's Mm -hmm. favorites, and then I'll pick the 101 that go in the book. But I think the joy we all get is knowing that we're helping people so much because we will get letters from people talking about how our books have helped them and given them basically a new outlook and helped them get back into life again. And so we know that every book, every story that we pick is a story that's going to help a lot of people. And Mm -hmm. we also of course get joy from publishing the people we publish because we love the people who write for us and anybody Mm -hmm. can become one of our writers. You just go to our website, chickensoup.com and you you click on submit your story and we walk you through the process. But these people are so unselfish in sharing mm-hmm. these, you know, highly personal stories. And so I feel really good about publishing each one and knowing how it's going to change the life of that storyteller to have his or her story in our book. Right. One of the most powerful aspects of this various stories in Chicken Soup is the fact that it's not like me trying to tell you what to do kind of thing. I think it, that's good it, up to a certain extent, but the stories are meant for people to resonate with at their particular situation in time where they can see these are ordinary people like you and I, and you know we go through things. We go through life's challenges and, um, as well as celebrations in, in so many ways. And so it resonates a lot easier, I think, with a lot of people. I, I totally agree with you. I think that the self-help um, area in books, mm-hmm. you know, decades ago was all about telling you what to do and giving you yeah. checklists. And it was more like essays, you know, with right. a list of things that you were supposed to do. And then around the time that Chicken Soup for the Soul was first published, which was 1993, the different motivational speakers and authors started sharing stories from their own lives and from other people's Mm -hmm. lives and realizing how much more effective that was because we really all learn so much better from real stories from other people. And so Mm -hmm. it does make a really big difference. And the other thing that we do as we're having people share their stories is we, we ask them not to say, you know, here's my story and here's what you're going to learn from it. And then tell the story. And at the end say, (laughs) this is what you should have learned from it. We take out that that's like your seventh grade essay, you know, Tell mm-hmm. the reader what you're going to tell them, then tell them, then tell them what you told them. <laughs> we just tell the story. We know our readers are very intelligent, and they will right. figure out the lesson for themselves, and that's actually more effective anyway. Having having to interpret the story and tell yourself the lesson yourself drives it more into your brain than having somebody tell you what the lesson was. So it also makes the stories just way more interesting, and it makes the book flow so I guess mm-hmm. we take a more journalistic approach. It's just like, give us the story. Tell us who, what, where, you know, when, how, why, mm-hmm. and we'll figure out the rest. Right, right. So true. I agree with that. I, 
enjoy the concept of storytelling versus teaching. Because within the storytelling in itself, you are teaching. And those who want to be taught will receive. And those who want to be entertained will be entertained as well. I think that even people reading these stories for pure entertainment will come away Mm -hmm. changed because you can't help but be changed. When you hear the stories, both most, you know, compelling, milestone, revealing moments, that Mm -hmm. has to invade your mind and bring you to a new place. I don't really think you can read 101 personal stories without coming away slightly improved. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So true. Can you tell us the significance of the book cover and the beautiful picture selected for the chapter's dividing page? Well, what I, I you know, it's, we, we publish so many books about miracles and messages from heaven and angels and divine intervention and divine timing and everything that uh, it's kind of a fun challenge to come up with a new mm-hmm. cover you know, every year or 18 months. And so this time I just had this image of, you know, when you go to a, an old style cathedral, you know, one that was built hundreds of years ago in Europe or, you know, anywhere else in the world. And you have these soaring arches and it doesn't even matter if you have no religion at all. You just feel something from these soaring arches. And so we, found a picture of these soaring arches in a cathedral and then we put in this woman holding out her hands as if she's kind of asking the universe or asking the heavens mm-hmm. to help her and it's just a really it's like an action cover I always want somebody to look at our book covers and be able to make their own story you know mm-hmm. make their mm-hmm. own story about this woman who walked into this beautiful place and what was her issue and what was she asking for? And what was she receiving? And so I, I, that's what I tried to do. I think that every person will look at this cover and come up with a different story. And then inside the book, we always put some kind of artwork at the beginning of each chapter. Mm-hmm. And we chose a pretty universal symbol of hope. And that is a dove flying off into the sky, you know, beautifully lit by the sunlight beaming down on it. And that's just a symbol of hope that I think works in every religion and, you know, every culture. So that's what I did with this one. It's kind of serene but hopeful. Mm -hmm. And also Mm -hmm. I know our books are going to sit there on somebody's nightstand, you know, possibly for weeks while they get through 101 different little morsels. And I want something that's really pretty. So we always try to make our books very, very attractive. We started doing something new a couple of years ago, which is embossing the titles of our books, and it just makes them so much more luxurious. And we know people give our books as gifts a lot. And a beautiful cover that's embossed and glossy really makes for a nice gift. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So true. It's a beautiful book. I mean, it's very impressive. And but not only that, it's it's wonderful to hold in your hands. Let me produce it. There are not many books, <laughs> I would say, is either too heavy, too big, too small. And uh, the latest design that you all have gone to is just fabulous. You know, the other thing we do is our books are printed in the USA. Our books are 100% mm-hmm. made in the USA. Uh, but 
we also are very environmentally conscious. So we print in, um, you know, plants that are run with, you know, the green principles mm-hmm. where they mm-hmm. recycle every little scrap of paper that is generated. <laughs> and then yeah. we print our books on recycled paper, but it's a fairly expensive recycled paper. So mm-hmm. it's a really nice reading experience. It's a very high quality paper, but completely made from recycled paper. Um, so, you know, they're beautiful, but they're also environmentally conscious. Beautiful. That's wonderful. What are the topics covered in this book? Well, the first chapter has 10 stories under, we call, we call them heaven sent, and they're just amazing things that just came out of nowhere. And so people would say, oh, that was heaven sent. <laughs> and then our second chapter is about really miraculous coincidences and synchronicities. You know, just those times when you say, I just can't believe I met that person at that time, at that place. Mm-hmm. Or I can't believe that happened when that happened. Um, and our third chapter is about those really amazing times when people have a dream or some kind of encounter where they get what feels like a message from someone who's passed on. And typically they're called messages from heaven. Mm-hmm. And then our fourth chapter is again about things that, that you just can't explain. And that chapter is called, how did that happen? Our fifth chapter is called angels among us. And I'm not talking angels with wings and this and that. I'm just talking about like <laughs> somebody appears and, helps you in some miraculous way and then it's gone before you can even thank them. And yeah. chapter six is about divine timing, which is just like if that hadn't happened at that moment and I hadn't looked at that moment at that place and hadn't seen that person, you know, just these things where you just can't imagine. It's like the perfect storm, but in a good way. And right. Chapter seven is dreams and premonitions, just dreams that, help you navigate your life in a whole new surprising way or premonitions that saved you from something really bad happening. Um, Chapter eight is called miraculous connection. Just those bizarre connections from one person to another where you just can't believe that that happened. And then chapter nine is called love that doesn't die. And that often involves some kind of weird connection with somebody who you loved who's passed on and then this thing happens and you're like, wow, it's like he or she is still here and this is still happening. Mm-hmm. And he's still speaking to me. And then chapter 10 is called holiday miracles because we got these great stories about miracles occurring during the Christmas season. And so we thought, Hey, the book is coming out just a couple of weeks after, you know, we've maybe taken down the tree and, we're still in that mood to read about some holiday miracles. So we have a whole bunch of those because who doesn't love a holiday miracle? That's right. I mean, holidays are meant to have miracles. <laughs> Just group them all in December. And it's a wonderful That's feeling. Right. <laughs> yeah. Can't... As soon as you put up your Christmas decorations, everything mm-hmm. starts to feel more miraculous. And, and I have to confess, we haven't even taken out down our tree yet, even though it's getting kind of dry and crunchy. <laughs> It's coming down probably today, but I'm leaving up all the other holiday decorations because, hey, we're going to be home 100% of the time. I still want to see all my decorations. <laughs> I don't blame you. I think it's there's something special about decorating because you are sort of focusing on yourself and the positive things in life. 
if you think about it. So it's a mindset, right? So why yes. take it down? Mindset, I want to keep this winter while I'm not going on vacation, <laughs> not going to the office, not going anywhere, right? I definitely want to have those holiday things around me to just to brighten those dark winter days. There you go. There you go. Awesome. Can we really prepare ourselves to experience a miracle, by the way? Well, I think if you've been exposed to the fact that these weird things happen to people that you can't explain, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and these co- coincidences and synchronicities and premonitions that save people and all of that, if you recognize that they do happen to people and that you don't have to be religious at all to just say, hey, good thing right. you start keeping your eyes open and and you won't reject a coincidence. You know, you won't mm-hmm. say, oh, that can't possibly be that person. You'll say, well, I've read some stories where somebody saw somebody they hadn't seen for 20 years and then that happened. So let me go over and take a second look and see if that <laughs> is really that person. So it's just a matter of being open to the possibility that these things will happen and that way you don't reject them before you even find out if something good is about to happen to you. Right, that's true. And not only that, it's, uh, it's a sort of like increasing your level of awareness around you and if you're aware, then you will start seeing things that, huh, great. It, I, I didn't expect that, but it happened. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. It's like I mean, this is a really mundane, everyday example, but people who say they were like looking for something in a store and then it wasn't where it was supposed to be, but they still kept their eyes open and it popped up, you know, another aisle 40 feet away. But that thing Mm -hmm. they were looking for now is in the wrong place, but but there it is and they've got it. So, yeah, I mean, things can happen if you just keep your eyes open. So true. What would you like for the readers to gain from reading Miracles and Divine Intervention? Well, in these days of the pandemic and it's winter and nobody really knows what's going to happen next and everybody's Mm -hmm. a little anxious, stressed out, I would like people to walk away from this book with a much more positive outlook and with a feeling of, hey, we're all in this together and there's hope and some comfort for whatever they're going through. But I don't think you can walk away from reading these stories without feeling better about life. Mm -hmm. That's true. Very, very true. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. As part of From My Mama's Kitchen New Year, New Me initiative, we're having a conversation about their first book for 2021, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Miracles and Divine Intervention, 101 Stories of Faith and Hope. Amy, let's talk about some of the stories, and let's begin with Chapter 1. This is wonderful, Heaven Sent, and the story that I really like is Another Way Home by Linda Monaco Burnham. So Linda tells us that her husband, George, was in the hospital. He was in there for pain management because he was dying from cancer. And he had already been there for more than two weeks, and some days were better than others. But this day, he was awake and he was speaking, but he had this delusion. He, he thought that the TV was showing the Hindenburg blimp blowing up. And 
This story happened in August of 2008, and the Hindenburg disaster took 37. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, Linda was there, and luckily George's patient advocate was there, and she knew how to handle this delusion, and she was really polite. And then she just looked at the TV when George said, look, the Hindenburg is blowing up, and then she changed the subject. And she took Linda outside, and she said, don't worry. This is not unusual behavior. He's on a lot of morphine, and this kind of thing happens. <laughs> but the morphine was helping. I mean, it was keeping the pain manageable. But it did kind of give George these superpowers to travel around mm-hmm. in his imagination and go to other times. And the next thing that George did was he said to Linda, "Hun, go look out the window. Horses just flew past. They were the biggest horses I've ever seen. They could have been Clydesdales. So Linda, of course, knew the giant horses hadn't just flown by the window. They were in New York City. And she went to the window. She looked down eight floors to First Avenue she saw a bunch of, you know, taxis and buses, and, and then she told her husband, oh, yes, honey, I just saw those horses turning onto 68th Street. <laughs> well, anyway, that was really his last good day because he fell asleep the next day and died three days later. And he had wanted to die at home, preferably at this mm-hmm. place they had in upstate New York, this river property that they called their camp. So. After the funeral, Linda and three friends drove up to the camp to bring George's ashes because his last wish had been to have his ashes get scattered in that river. Mm-hmm. And they invited their neighbors up, up by the camp to come over. They were elderly, and they couldn't have come down to New York City for the funeral. And they scattered the ashes, and then they were walking back to the camp to have lunch. And the neighbor took Linda's arm and said, I need to show you something. And he took her to this area on their lawn and he showed her these giant hoof prints Mm -hmm. and he said linda last week these tremendous horses ran through your backyard they were so big i've never seen giant horses here before i've never seen anything like this before and i've lived here for 30 years well the day he saw them was Tuesday, and that was the day that George said he saw the giant horses from his hospital bed. So somehow George had connected to this property they had in upstate New York and imagined these giant horses. And that was the same day their neighbor actually saw giant horses running through their yard. So that was just a really cool story about a very weird coincidence, right? And so Mm -hmm. I just thought that was really interesting um, because nobody really can explain how something like that would happen. No kidding. And these are the stories that I'm talking about where I think as we increase our self-awareness, you find that you were able to pick up, you know, the simple things that's, uh, which kind of roll into the next chapter, actually coincidental and synchronicities, but uh, it's, it's amazing that, wow, miracle does happen. And are you yeah. tapping into it? There are so many weird coincidences. In um, Chapter 2, Coincidences and Synchronicities, mm-hmm. there is this really cool story by Barbara Epich Struna. And this is more like an everyday but very <laughs> strange coincidence. So, She was on the phone um, last year. She was on the phone with customer service for her credit card because 
she had some expenses and she's a, she's an author. And so she wasn't going to be doing book signings because all the bookstores were closed up. This was last spring. And she called the credit card, you know, customer service to ask some questions. Mm-hmm. And she spoke to this nice guy who said his name was Thomas and he answered all her questions. And then he said, are you the author of the old Cape house? And she was shocked because he was talking about her first novel it had mm-hmm. been published seven years earlier, and it was the first in a series of historical fiction suspense novels. And she said, yeah, I am. And he said, well, I thought it was you. I recognized your name. And when you told me you were an author, I knew it was you. So this guy, Thomas, was in India, and Barbara was in Massachusetts on Cape Cod, which is where the novel was set. And Thomas said he had bought her book at a used bookstore in New Delhi, he said the cover had caught his eye. And she said, well, that's my house on the cover. And he was amazed that she actually lived in that house. And then he asked her about these red bricks that were mentioned in the, in the novel and that had been found on top of this old root cellar behind the house. And, and she said, yeah, that actually, it, that's really true. I really do have that old root cellar. And he told her that the book had changed him. It had showed him how to be more adventuresome and be, and open to new things. And she was just so flabbergasted. Mm-hmm. And you know what? She had been having a little bit of writer's block on going forward and writing another novel in the series because it would take her years. And that call with that guy, Thomas, in India was so inspiring that it got her back mm-hmm. at her writing desk working again at the next novel in the series. So I thought that was so cool. I mean, who would imagine that a guy in India would buy your book in a used bookstore and know it so well that he was asking detailed questions about it <laughs> when you called customer service where you could have talked to, you know, any of a thousand people who would have answered the phone. Isn't that amazing? I mean, we're talking about like, what are the odds of that? You know, I know, I know it was really <laughs> incredible. It, it's truly amazing. In the same chapter, coincidences and Synchronicity. There's a really wonderful book and a, a, a story actually in it, and I know you really like this because it talks about uh, genealogy and so forth. Divine Sisterhood by Jean Flood. Yeah, so Jean was laid off, um, and of course that's happened to a lot of people. She decided to use her time on the computer and she got one of those, you know, free month trial to one of those ancestry (laughs) services. So she did all this genealogy research on her own family. And then she still had some more time to go on the free trial. And she had these two friends, Diane and Donna, who were sisters, but who had been separated from their family when they were very young and they had gone through foster care and then they were adopted, but the adoptions didn't work out. So they really wanted to find their birth family. And, One of the sisters, Diane, had spent thousands of dollars on private investigators, and she had written to talk show hosts, you know, volunteering Mm -hmm. to go on their show if they would help her find her family. Well, Jean knew what their original last name was, and she knew where they were born. And so she started looking, and she got really lucky because she found an obituary of an elderly woman with a photo And the photo looked just like her friend Diane would look if, you know, she got older by a few decades. And she realized, well, this must be their biological grandmother. And that woman had only passed away two months before. 
and in the obituary it listed, you know, all of her children, all of all of her relatives and where they lived even. And so Jean felt like she had hit the lottery and she started Googling all of those people. But, you know, these days it's hard to find people because people mm-hmm. really only have cell phones. But she found somebody with a landline and she called up and she was kind of embarrassed and she said, hello, my name is Jean and you do not know me, but I believe you may be related to some friends of mine, their sisters. And the man said, do you mean Gail? Well, Jean knew that Gail had been Donna's original name before she was adopted. Mm-hmm. And then he said, I never lost hope that I would find them. I prayed to find my girls. It was their father. And he had <laughs> lost, you know, he didn't know where they had gone. Right. So the, the two sisters got reunited with their father and their brother. And now they have aunts and uncles and cousins, too. So it was just a really nice story. She stumbled upon that obituary with the photo and set her on the path to reuniting this family. It's just a truly heartwarming story. And again, you're looking at something that what are the chances of being able to do something like that? Uh, And me being adopted myself, I've often wondered, you know, I would love to one of these days to run into the two other sisters that I have that were uh, given away, were, were adopted out. The one I understand is in Australia and the other one is in England. So who knows? Maybe things might happen. <laughs> right. You never know. Right. <laughs> chapter three, Messages from Heaven. And this is a really wonderful chapter as well. The story that I really like is The Language of Legos by Kat Hackenbach. So Kat lost her son. Um, He died at age 18. He had been struggling with anxiety and depression. And following months after he died, she went through his belongings and she kept some things and she donated some things. And she wasn't sure what to do with his Legos because she just didn't want to give them away to a stranger. She wanted somebody who would appreciate how special those Legos were because they belonged to her son. And she was staring at the Legos and then a name popped into her head. There was this boy named Connor who was in their homeschooling group and Connor was 10 and he had autism and other special needs. And she thought he might really enjoy playing with Nick's Legos. So um, she gave the Legos to Nick, I mean, to um, Connor. And then six months later, she had coffee with Connor's mom and um, the mom brought a gift to Kat. It was a couple of things that Connor had built with the Legos. And the mom said, these are from Connor. This is going to sound strange, but he insisted that Nick wanted him to build them for you. Well, the two Lego creations that Connor had made were actually very pertinent to Nick's life. One was a dragon, and that was Nick's mm-hmm. Um, zodiac sign according to the Chinese zodiac mm-hmm. and then the other was a white bear holding a red heart and that was a gift that Nick had picked out for his sister a white bear with a red heart and thought well that's kind of cool but she didn't really go all the way to how in the world did that happen and until things got even stranger she got home and then Molly sent her an email with a picture of a third Lego set. And Connor had said 
that Nick wanted him to build this third Lego set. And it was a clown holding balloons and a sign that said, happy birthday. Well, it happened to be just days before Nick's birthday. And of course, Connor and his mom hadn't known that it was Nick's birthday. Mm-hmm. And so that really convinced her that somehow Nick was behind all of these. And somehow this 10 year old boy was making things with Nick's direction. And then it got even weirder because Connor made a vacuum out of Legos. And why in the world would a 10-year-old boy make a vacuum from Legos? Right. The answer was Nick told him to. And what he didn't know was that Nick, as part of his anxiety, had been obsessed with germs. And as a teenager, had kept three different kinds of vacuums right in his room. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it was just a really interesting story about some very weird coincidences. It's a wonderful validation in terms of like, am I connecting with my loved ones in some ways, you know? And so this story, it gives you a legitimate example. I mean, it's not something someone concocted. I mean, this is a physical expression, I guess. That would be the best way to put it. Yeah, it's hard to explain it away, just one coincidence after another. Yeah. Um, but statistically, that could happen, mm-hmm. right? But but if you want to think that it could have happened for some other reason, here's a bunch of really strange coincidences that will support <laughs> that point of view. So it's really up to the reader to say, cool coincidences, or yeah. go farther than that. Right, so true. Do you have a favorite story in this chapter? Well, there's another one that I thought was cool, and this was written by Gail Sellers, who never believed that any of this stuff could actually happen. <laughs> um, and and one year, she and her husband were visiting her husband's father in England, and his wife had recently passed away, so he seemed really anxious to talk about his own mortality. And he said to them, you know, when I pass, within a couple of days after my death or sooner, you will be visited by a little bird. You'll come into your home and you'll wonder how it could possibly happen. And Gail and her husband looked at each other like, yeah, right. (laughs) And then the father added, I know you both think I am daft, but this visit will come to pass. And he said it was because it happened to his good friend. And otherwise he would have thought this was crazy, but he really thought this was going to happen. And when they left after a few days visiting, he, he said, don't forget the wee bird. It is a sign and it will happen to you. Well, then a few years later, one day, this little bird all of a sudden appeared inside their house in their kitchen. And this little bird was strutting around. He didn't really seem scared and he didn't really seem to want to leave. You know, they kept trying to shoo him out, mm-hmm. open windows, open doors. So finally, her husband just picked up the little bird in his hands and, you know, gently took him outside and let him go. And the bird flew off. And at that moment, the phone rang and it was Gail's sister-in-law calling from England saying that uh, their father had just died that morning. And they were in shock because he had not been ill. Mm-hmm. And so Gail, who would not believe that anything like this could ever happen, said that now she kind of believes it because it happened to them. Wow, that's a wonderful story. And again, a lot of this is a matter of like, are we tuning in 
to see if, you know, and the good news is like you were, the message has been forwarded to you way in advance. So pay attention <laughs> and you'll be able to see. Uh, that brings me to the the next chapter. Uh, how did that happen? And this particular story is just beautiful. The Angels Always Come by Barbara Davi. Yeah, this is a cool one. And, you know, I think that most cultures and religions have some mm-hmm. kind of belief that links horses. And so we already talked about that story about those Clydesdales flying through right, the air right. past the hospital window. Mm-hmm. So Barbara Davy, she um, worked in like continuing care, assisted living, you know, that industry for mm-hmm. a long time. And um, she went to see a friend of hers who worked at a similar facility that, you know, went all the way to hospice days. And it was in a more rural area than where Barbara was. And she'd all, she actually said to her friend who worked there, you should come and work at my place because it's a much easier commute for you and you're going to make a lot more money. And her friend said, I can't leave where I am. And Barbara said, well, why? And her friend said, you just have to come here. You have to come here and see it. So Barbara drove 40 miles away to this rural area, found this hospice facility surrounded by farms. There were even horses grazing in the, in the field nearby. And um, she went in and her friend said, you know, do you see those horses? And Barbara said, yeah, I was wondering, why are those horses standing so still and in a perfect line at the fence, like kind of like statues standing at attention. Why are they just standing there calmly looking at the hospice facility? And her, her friend said, well, one of our patients passed away an hour ago. And several hours before he died, the horses, who had been grazing in a distant field, started making their way over here to the fence. And before the man died, all seven of those horses lined up keeping vigil. And she said, those horses won't leave. Just you watch. They will not leave until the body leaves. And Barbara was just stunned. And sure enough, the funeral home came to pick up the body. And the horses stood there until that hearse left the driveway with the body in it. And her friend said, they do that every time someone passes away. It's like they have a sixth fence. They always assemble at the fence before someone dies. And then they wait until the person is, is taken away. Isn't that weird? So mm-hmm. anyway, I mean, that, that's just really, really strange. Like you hear about cats doing that in nursing homes. You hear about cats that will go mm-hmm. and, you know, insist on staying in a certain room with an elderly patient and then it will turn out that that patient dies, but the cat is mm-hmm. right there and probably smells something or senses something. Right. But these horses are outdoors, not in the building, you know, get grazing in a distant field. And then they all of a sudden come marching over. Very, right. very strange. Right. right. It must be a very spiritual place. And that's the kind of thing that I, and I totally agree because it's like, how did that happen? Because this is, a scenario where if we tune in, we can be able to start seeing things that are kind of unusual. But it's amazing. It's phenomenal. Do you have a story that you like in this particular chapter? 
Yeah, there's another story. It's by a guy who writes for us all the time. His name is mm-hmm. Mark Rickerby. And he's one of those guys who just keeps his eyes open and weird good things <laughs> happen for him. Um, but anyway, he, of course, had a bad thing happen to him a long time ago, which is that his brother died at age 37. He had had um, some issues with drugs. And one day after his brother died, Mark's grief was particularly bad. And when he was having a bad day, he would just get in his car and start driving. And this day he drove all the way from Los Angeles to Death Valley, which is a place where he and his brother had gone on vacations with their family. And he went to one of their favorite stops, this place called Calico Ghost Town, but it was locked up tight. So Mark was standing there, you know, looking in, wishing he could go in. And this security guard came along and very kindly let Mark in, even though it was closed. And so Mark wandered around this abandoned town, thinking about the fun he had had there with his brother. And then as he was leaving, not really feeling like his grief had been alleviated at all, this peacock walked across his path and it stopped and stared at him. And then it led him back into the town. He was about to leave, and the peacock kept kept turning around and looking at him like, follow me. Hmm. And it would screech at him if he didn't follow. So he followed this peacock back into this town to a place where they had an outdoor theater. And Mark went and sat in, in one of the seats, and the peacock climbed up onto the center of the stage and faced Mark and then spread out, you know, fanned out its magnificent peacock feathers and stayed that way for a minute or so and then walked off the stage like its job was done. And for Mark, it just felt like he had somehow made a connection with his brother at this place that they had loved so much. And so he went away feeling so much better than he had when he got there. And so it was just an example of how Weird, miraculous things happen, and they can bring people great comfort. Yeah, that's amazing. That's wonderful. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple's Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. My guest is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. As part of From My Mama's Kitchen New Year, New Me initiative, we're having a conversation about their first book for this year, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Miracles and Divine Intervention, 101 Stories of Faith and Hope. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Amy, Chapter 5 is another wonderful chapter, Angels Among Us, Miracles on Mott Street. This is really cool. Lynn Magdalena Mena is the author. It's really cool. So Lynn, uh, she tells us in her story that her grandfather, Tony, was born to Italian immigrants on the Lower East Side of Manhattan you know, back in 1906. And this is this Lower East Side area where there's Little Italy and there's Chinatown. And it's still there. There's Little Italy and, and mm-hmm. Chinatown there still to this day. And she grew up hearing her grandfather's stories about being born at the corner of Hester and Mott Street, which (laughs) lots of us have encountered if you're reading, you know, literature about that time. Well, even after her grandfather was gone, Lynn and her mother still loved to go into Little Italy. They'd go in and have a good Italian meal, buy some Italian Mm -hmm. groceries. 
But the neighborhood did go downhill, and it got pretty dangerous. But even so, they still went in. And one Sunday back in the 1970s, they went in for Italian food and shopping, and they were feeling pretty lucky because they got a parking spot on Mott Street, just a block away from Mulberry Street, which is like the heart of Little Italy. And they were walking down the street to get to their restaurant, and all of a sudden they saw these people scattering, and there was this gang of young men coming down the sidewalk armed with baseball bats. It was really scary. And they couldn't make it back to their car before the gang reached them. So her mom grabbed her arm, and they just tried the front door of this old tenement house that they were standing in front of, and weirdly, the door was unlocked, and so they ran in and hid in the stairwell until the gang passed by. And then her mom said, do you think this could be the building where Grandpa lived? Because they had never actually <laughs> gone to see his building. Yeah. And so her mom wrote down the, the number of the house, and a few days later, her mom found the grandfather's birth certificate, and he was born at home, as people were in those days. And it was the address where they had gone and hidden in the building. And her mom said, I guess grandpa was looking out for us. And Lynn says, was it a miracle or just a coincidence? But isn't a miracle really just a glorious coincidence? Mm -hmm. And so uh, she thought, you know, miracles don't have to be great biblical events. They can be these little tiny gifts that come our way. And so I just thought that was a really nice story. Oh, yeah. It's a beautiful story. I thought it's something that, like, what are the chances that even the building is still there? You know, I mean, it's like, this is crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, that part of New York has only recently gotten fashionable again. Mm -hmm. Now Mm -hmm. they're building fancy hotels there. So they're starting to replace some of the old buildings with you know, like a little three-story yeah. tenement house. It's turning into a 12-story fancy hotel. But <laughs> it's basically pretty much the way it used to be when you walk through Chinatown and Little Italy. Cause yeah. I, mean, I, I know because I've been there because I live an hour away from there. <laughs> Very cool. You know, when we're back to a post-pandemic days, I'm definitely yeah. going to go there again. We went there, we went there in December of 2019, which seems mm-hmm. so long ago now, right? And we Mm -hmm. spent the weekend there in Chinatown and Little Italy in one of those fancy new hotels that replaced an old tenement building. Uh, Very charming area. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Well, Chapter 6, Divine Timing. I love this. What If? by Ina Messler-Levin. So this story is very cool because um, Ina was in the running to get a teaching job, and she came home one day and this was before cell phones. So she came home and her landline phone was ringing, uh, but she was still outside. And she thought, well, I even bother to answer the phone, but she didn't have an answering machine. And she thought, all right, better go answer the phone. So she ran in, answered the phone. And it was somebody asking her to go for an interview at a school for this English teaching job. And she needed to get dressed and go right now. So she did that. And then she got there and this, man was there and he was filling in an application also and talking about how he had been in the miserable LA traffic and had missed the interview he had at another school for another teaching job, but at least he made it to this interview. And so he went in for his interview first, he came out and it just sounded like he got the job from the way the principal was talking. And so 
Lynn, um, not Lynn, um, uh, Ina went in and had her interview anyway, and it turned out that the English teaching job that she was there for had just been given to this guy who Ina had thought was very handsome, by the way. Um, <laughs> and But the this assistant, assistant principal said, well, could you teach typing? Instead, I have a job open for somebody to teach typing, uh, four classes of typing, and one class of English. So Ina said, sure. Now, she had no idea how to teach typing, but she was pretty sure that that really handsome guy with the gorgeous eyes had just gotten the job as English teacher, and she wanted to see him again, so she took the job teaching typing, and it was just such an example of divine timing because Ina says, what would have happened if I hadn't picked up the phone that day just in time for that interview? Because maybe she still would have gone in for an interview, but only for the typing job, but she wouldn't have taken the typing job because she wouldn't mm-hmm. have seen the gorgeous guy. And she only mm-hmm. took the job because of the gorgeous guy. But if he had not missed his prior interview, he might have ended up working at a different school altogether. And so she just says it was an example of perfect timing in so many different ways that led to her meeting him. And they are now celebrating their 45th wedding anniversary. Isn't that cool? <laughs> totally cool. I love that. <laughs> it's totally awesome. What's your favorite story in Chapter 7? Oh, so this is this is an area I love, this whole area of dreams and premonitions. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. we've, we've put out three books about dreams and premonitions, and right. we always have chapters about dreams and premonitions in our books about miracles because premonitions can really change your life, and it's worth listening to them when you have that weird feeling, that maybe mm-hmm. feeling of foreboding. And in this case, Terry Hans, who's written for us many times, she and her husband were building a new house, and they would go every evening to this house and have like a dinner there, and the girls would sit at a table in a kind of safe area away from the unsafe construction materials. The girls would sit while Lynn and her husband, you know, checked out that day's work on the construction, and and her husband would do some more work on the house. And that day, she got this weird voice that said to her, don't go. And she had never heard this voice before saying, don't go to the house. And then the girls, for the time ever, said, Mom, can we just stay home tonight? So she said to her husband, would you mind not working on the house tonight? Could we just stay home? So he said, all right. But then this thunderstorm came along, and it didn't affect where they were. But he said, we should just go check the house anyway. So they went to check the house. The house had been hit by lightning and severely damaged. And the place where the girls usually sat was the most damaged of all. I mean, beams had fallen down on it. If Mm -hmm. they had gone and this microburst, which is what it was, it was like one of those microburst tornadoes Mm -hmm. that just comes so unexpected. This microburst had hit where the girls were. The girls probably would have been killed. So it was a great example of how you shouldn't be embarrassed to listen if you have that foreboding sense about something. Just mm-hmm. don't go. You know, take the next flight, go the next day, take that different road, whatever it was, but listen to that little voice inside you. Yep, so true. I mean, the little instincts that tells you is your little radar. <laughs> it's a wonderful story. Wow. Chapter 8, Miraculous Connections. This is a really 
cool one too. I love this one. The typo that changed my life by Crystal Hodge. So Crystal, this is so cool. She had, <laughs> she had been dating this guy and then he kind of dumped her in the way that guys do these days. He just ghosted her and he wouldn't answer her emails. And then she sent him one more email just to see what would happen. And he didn't respond. And she was kind of relieved that he didn't respond because she knew he wasn't right for her. But then Mm -hmm. she thought, did I really send that to the right address? And she went and checked and she realized she had typed the email address wrong by one letter. Mm -hmm. Well, her email went to another guy. The guy who had dumped her was named Henry. And then this other guy who her email went to was named Henry, but it was spelled slightly differently. So Mm -hmm. this Henry eventually wrote back to her and said, I don't know who you are, but you acted like you knew me. Well, he was in Australia. She was in the U.S. The only reason he answered the email from her was that he had gotten a new computer and he'd gotten way behind on his emails. And so he was just opening every single email when he got his new computer and opening all of them because he couldn't really tell anymore who he knew and who he didn't know. Right. And emailing each other. They became pen pals and they made a real connection with each other. Twelve years after that first email, Henry moved to the US and married Crystal. Isn't that cool? So <laughs> that was just one of those bizarre, wonderful typos that led to this amazing connection. Yeah, I I chose that story because I thought it was like really cool. Again, it's part of we're in the global community in some ways, and then guess what? Just let nature take its course or let the vibes take its course of doing things naturally. So it's amazing. Chapter 9, Love Doesn't Die. And this is a beautiful story. Uh, it reminded me a lot about how I experienced my own personal connection with my late mom, with my sister. And the title of the story is The Garden Visitor by Cheryl James. So Cheryl says that um, her husband, Don, lost his mother, and he was just devastated. They had actually had daily visits with each other, and so he really, really missed missed her. And then um, when spring came around, he decided to plant a garden, and he loved gardening, and so he got all excited about that. And some of his, you know, energy started to come back. Mm -hmm. And one day... Uh, Cheryl looked out the window and saw Don in the garden, and he was talking to this woman wearing a black coat and wearing a headscarf, bring, and she seemed kind of overdressed. And then he came in, and he didn't really say anything, but he looked a little weird. And then Cheryl said, who was that woman where you were talking to? And he said, oh, my gosh, you saw her? And Cheryl said, yeah, who was it? He said, well, I didn't want to tell you, but it was mom. She came back and asked me what I was planting. So this was just an incredibly bizarre story, right? Yeah. Anyway, from that day forward, Cheryl says Don became a happier person. So who knows what really happened that day? But it was something that I thought I might as well share, you know, because it was an mm-hmm. interesting story. Mm-hmm. So true. It's a beautiful story. I really like that very much. So... Chapter 10, Holiday Miracles, since you still have your holiday decorations up, you pick the, the story that you really like in this particular chapter. <laughs> well, we have a really cool story 
from one of our editors, actually, Jamie Cahill. And I love it when we get a miracle story from uh-huh. one of our own staff uh, because it's so much fun to publish their stories. So uh, Jamie was really missing her grandmother. Grandmother had loved Christmas. And when Jamie was growing up, it wasn't really the holiday season until the grandparents arrived for their annual visit each, each December. Mm-hmm. So then uh, Jamie's grandmother had a stroke. And I actually remember this happening because I remember Jamie saying that she had to go and visit her grandmother. She had to drive from Connecticut to Pennsylvania to see her grandmother, who was 97, had a stroke and wasn't expected to last much longer. And so Mm -hmm. Jamie and her oldest child drove to see her. And while they were in the car, Jamie was sharing some Chicken Soup for the Soul stories with her daughter about people who believed that, you know, their loved ones, their spirits would carry on and there would still be some kind of communication. So after the grandmother died, months went by and Jamie's daughter, Lucy, asked her if she had seen any signs from grandma and, and Jamie said, no, no signs. And then Jamie wondered maybe she shouldn't have even shared those stories with Lucy and created some kind of expectation that something cool Mm -hmm. was going to happen. Well, anyway, 10 months after her grandmother died, the next Christmas arrived. It definitely felt different without her grandmother there. But, you know, Jamie still had a good time. And on Christmas Eve, she hosted 30 people for dinner. And then Christmas morning, she was just exhausted. So after all the gifts were unwrapped, her husband took the kids to visit his parents, you know, open more gifts there and see their cousins. And Jamie finally went out to grab the mail from Christmas Eve because she hadn't brought the mail in yet. And there on top of a big stack of cards in the mailbox was a Christmas card from her grandmother. It was actually from the year before because they never got their grandmother's Christmas card the year before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was her normal, beautiful hand-painted card. It had a beautiful message inside from her grandmother. And it was postmarked from a year earlier. But Jamie's grandmother had just made a slight mistake in their address and somehow after being missing in action for a year, 10 months after her grandmother died, the Christmas card showed up right on Christmas, right when Jamie really needed a little holiday hello from her grandmother. Wow. That's beautiful. That's really lovely. The only thing I got in terms of delayed mail is more invoices. (laughs) (laughs) But that's beautiful. That's really, really beautiful. Can you give us a quick preview of Chicken Soup's lineup for 2021? Yeah, we have a book coming out in February about making me time. And there was just a survey I saw the other day that said Mm -hmm. more than half of women who were surveyed about what they wanted for Valentine's Day said Mm -hmm. that they wanted some me time. So our book is going to show them how to carve that out of every day. Then we have our Magic of Moms book uh, coming out again for Mother's Day. Then in May, no, in April, actually, we have a book coming out Mm -hmm. called Be You, and it's about women being themselves. It's all about female empowerment. And then in May, we have a really fun humor book coming out called Read, Laugh, Repeat. And then in June, we're putting out a great book called I'm Speaking Now, Black Women Share Their Truth in 101 stories of love, courage, and hope. And I think that's mm-hmm. a really important 
uh, topic in these times with so much discrimination that we're all seeing all over the United States. Uh, I really wanted to give a voice to black women to share their stories with each other and educate those of us who are not people of color about what is going on out there and what it's like to, you know, worry every Mm -hmm. time that your son goes out driving, that kind of thing. So that's what's going on for the first half of 2021. Fantastic. I have to launch a protest, though. We need to have one Be Me is a male empowerment book. Just kidding. (laughs) If you get me enough male readers, I will do that for you. But we know that while men love our books, uh, the majority of our readers are women. I know. It's and you know what's interesting is that you have more men contributing stories now too. So hooray! <laughs> I know because men do want to tell their stories. We we just help them do it. That's right. So true. As we close this show, what recipes for living would you like to share with our listeners this morning to kick off 2021? Well, I came up with kind of a list of tips that were based mm-hmm. on stories in this book. So I'll just read off these tips. For you, and they are supported by stories in this book, but you'll have to read the book to find the stories that support them. But my first tip is persistence can pay off, so definitely be persistent if there's something that you're trying to achieve. Second is look for all of those happy coincidences that can really change the trajectory of your life. Third, and we talked about this, go with your gut. Whether you're having a feeling about something lucky that's going to happen or whether you have that feeling that something bad is going to happen, listen to that gut feeling. Mm-hmm. And fourth, realize that help can show up in the most miraculous ways. And fifth, look for signs from people you've lost when you're really missing them. Maybe you will see something that makes you feel a little less alone, a little like there's some continuing connection to that person. So those are my tips based on stories in Chicken Soup for the Soul, Miracles, and Divine Intervention. Awesome. That's beautiful. Amy, thank you for the great recipes for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Tuesday morning, January 19. My guest will be Stephanie James. She is a transformational life coach and a visualization expert. In continuing with our New Year New Me initiative, Stephanie and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and her latest book, The Spark, Igniting Your Best Life. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. As always, Amy, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a very blessed 2021. You too, Johnny. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye.